Hello and welcome back to Falling in Love with Yourself. It is our second episode of 2022 and I am just super, super grateful that you are here, that you are pressing play, that you are showing up for yourself. Let's just stop and acknowledge that for just a minute, that you listening to this podcast are making a choice for yourself. I talk and teach and preach about self-love constantly, and it still surprises me of people not being aware of doing things for themselves is okay and essential. So I don't want to dismiss or minimize the fact that you are showing up for yourself. And I bet you are showing up for yourself on more occasions than just this. So I teach a tool called Self-Love Wins. If you follow me on Instagram at Jenny underscore Drake underscore, I talk about self-love wins a lot. And it's when you choose yourself, when you show up and honor yourself, and when you put your own inner peace as a priority, and you know it's a self-love win because you feel empowered and enthusiastic and energetic and just full of love after you do it. So I hope that through this episode, you will be feeling so much love for yourself, so much awareness for yourself, um, and congrats for your self-love win. I want to invite you to our Falling in Love with Myself tribe that meets every Monday. Actually, we meet twice on Mondays, 8 a.m. Pacific time for the early birds and 5.30 p.m. Pacific for those who can't make it in the morning. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because that is a way to hold yourself accountable for self-love wins. Just coming to the tribe is a self-love win because when else do you have an hour where you're surrounded by other amazing women and you get to focus on yourself for an hour and your own, what you love about yourself and what you're struggling with. And we set a self-love intention for the week. And these women who have been showing up for um, consistently, some of them have been with me for over a year, some a few months, some pop in and out. But regardless, it's an accountability piece to our self-love. And because self-love is not the norm and we've been conditioned through society and through families and through our beliefs that self-love is selfish, it's not totally comfortable to hold ourselves accountable with it yet. So I created the Falling in Love with Myself tribe. We also have a private Facebook group. Please find us um, to help hold ourselves accountable and to hold each other accountable in our self-love wins and in our self-love journey. I am also creating a tool right now, you guys. It is almost done and more info to follow that will further help you hold yourself accountable in your self-love journey. And when I say hold ourselves accountable, it really is just celebrating ourselves, celebrating our self-love wins, celebrating honoring ourselves and showing up for ourselves. So I've got you covered with some tools to continue to do that. Um, I've got a lot on my heart and on my mind that I want to share with you today. This episode is all about protection and survival, but we're going to be covering so much. We're going to be covering attachment styles. We're going to be talking about family dynamics. We're going to be talking about connecting to our body and what our body is trying to tell us. And we're going to ask ourselves, what our protection and survival mechanisms are. This is a total follow-up to our fear episode last week. So if you've been feeling a lot of fear, 
um, within you, I totally recommend going back and listening to that episode is episode 56, Loving Yourself Through Fear. This week's episode is totally a follow-up to that, and it's coming in tune with what our protection and our survival mechanisms are and to be aware of them. And we will talk about that in just a moment. We'll be right back. Welcome to season two of Falling in Love with Yourself. My name is Jenny. I've been a teacher and a coach in some capacity for over two decades, but that's only part of what makes me successful as your guide to falling back in love with yourself. I'm a single woman who turns 50 this year. I stepped away from a 22-year marriage five years ago where my self-worth was lower than low. I didn't know who I was, what I believed in, what fulfilled me, or what my purpose was. I was depending on external people and things to complete myself. But through my four pillars of self-love, which are self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-compassion, and self-worth, I am now filled with love and faith. Self-love is different than self-care. Self-love is not selfish. It is essential. We always hear how we need to love ourselves, and I am here to teach you how. I'm so grateful you are here, choosing you, and I cannot wait for you to fall deeper in love with yourself. Welcome back. Okay, let's dive into really something kind of deep. This is going to take some self-awareness, and we're kind of taking it to the next level um, but it's super, super, super important. So hopefully you've got your journal out or if you're taking a walk with your dog or driving in the car, maybe you can revisit these questions. I'll definitely put them in the show notes, but let's kick it off with some questions and then I'll go into a little bit about how my week has gone because there's been so many interesting things <laughs> that have ha been happening this week. But first, let's think of question number one. So off the top of your head, what are some of your survival and protection mechanisms? So as I said, we talked about fear last week. Um, what are some behaviors, some actions, some stories that instantly come up when you are feeling fear or when you are triggered, um, what do you do? And they might be different in different circumstances. Um, obviously, um, family situations, romantic relationships, at work, when you know we've done when we've made a mistake on the job, um, what kind of kicks in to protect ourselves. Um, and if we're in a romantic partnership, when we are feeling triggered or fear, how do we respond to protect ourselves from that fear? And likewise, um, in our families of origin with our parents or our siblings, or even as a parent, when we're feeling threatened, vulnerable, fearful, what are your protection survival mechanisms that automatically kick in? And as I said, this is a really good time to journal about that. Um, it's going to take some self-awareness. It's going to really put the mirror back on ourselves. And when we do that, it can always be sort of scary, right? Um these, our protection and our survival mechanisms are not always pretty. They are the side of us that we might feel some shame about. And we want to look at it from the perspective of being aware of them and having acceptance for them. You know, if you've been listening to my podcast, self-awareness and self-acceptance are the first key pillars of self-love for me. 
Um, having that awareness and the acceptance as we look at these behaviors is super crucial. And that compassion. So I'm going to pause for just a second while you think of your innate survival and protection mechanisms when you are fearful, triggered, vulnerable, or feeling threatened. Okay. Feel free to pause right now as you journal about that. But um, for the sake of time, I'm going to proceed forward. So it's really crucial, again, to have that acceptance and compassion for these behaviors because we all have them. You are not unique. Um, Every single human being has an ego. And let's pause and talk about that word ego for a minute because a lot of the times when I'm talking to people about our ego, the very first thing that pops up is, oh, you know, our ego is what we build to make us feel good about ourselves. Well, that's part of it. But our ego is also really important. That's the part of our mind that is our protection and our survival. Our ego wants to protect us, keep us repeating patterns, and prevents our growth. And I really, really want to take out any judgment of our ego being good or bad. It does not matter whether it's good or bad. Like, what attachment do we have to our ego? Um, I choose to detach any negativity from our ego because it doesn't serve me to have negative attachment to my ego. We all have egos. It serves a purpose. It serves many purposes to us. And so to be in conflict or, um, you know, have that negative perception of our ego just doesn't serve us. So let's be neutral about our ego. Let's accept that we have it. Let's accept that that's where our protection and our survival mechanisms live within us. And let's accept that our protection and survival mechanisms sometimes serve us and sometimes don't serve us. Okay, so our acceptance of our ego and our neutrality of our ego is just that. We have it. It sometimes serves us. It sometimes doesn't. And that feels a lot better to release some of that negative attachment to our ego. Um, And I'm going to read something that I found on the internet, and it was from the holistic psychologist um, this week, actually. And if you don't follow her, she is amazing. Her, um, she goes by the dot holistic psychologist on Instagram and it's Dr. Nicole LaPera, LaPera. And, um, she actually has just released a book. So I will link to that, um, to her in the show notes, but she made a post this week that I thought was, that really just was so, it, it just was so great. Um, And it says, how to know your ego is activated. So she said, you are defensive and no longer listening. You're trying to prove yourself right. You have intense emotions and feel like you want to cry, scream, or just feel overwhelmed. You say things you don't actually mean and your nervous system is regulated. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. You keep replaying the conversation, wishing you had different comebacks or want revenge in some way. You no longer are able to be lighthearted, curious, and open. You feel the need to protect yourself or shut down. Again, that was the holistic psychologist, um, Dr. Nicole LaPera. So 
maybe as you were thinking of your own protection mechanisms, some of the, the description that I just read to you kind of jogged your memory of what happens when I, you know, feel threatened, feel um, vulnerable, feel unsafe, feel the feelings of fear. I sometimes get defensive. I sometimes go into fight mode or flight mode and want to run away or anxious mode um, where we become over obsessive and overthinking and over analyzing. Um, that is our ego trying to protect us. We are trying to solve. And again, these are not bad things. They were created in us to protect us. So um, I so I am a runner. When I I'm I usually am not a fighter. Um, I don't attack normally first, although if you've listened to my podcast, I definitely will defend, which is part of our ego, um, to protect myself. But I also want to run away. Um, there's been many, many, many situations where I've just wanted to shut things down. Um, there was a time, well, in my marriage, um, many, 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 many times when the conversation, the fight was getting out of hand, the first thing that I wanted to do, and maybe you can relate, is just bail, is remove myself from the equation. Um, and, and while that is a very good tool to simmer down the situation, um, it wasn't always, it didn't always serve me because I would just not be in the right frame of mind. It's one thing to say to your partner, um, I need some space. I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm going to go take a walk around the block. Um, and when we are both calm, more calm than in this moment, we can resume this conversation. That is not running or the flight. That is a different tool of pausing, taking space, calming emotions, and revisiting in a much calmer state. I'm talking about grab my keys without putting on shoes without even putting my kids in the car. Sometimes I put my kids in the car. Sometimes I didn't um, and just bail without any wanting, you know, any, I don't know when I'm going to come back. Like when I am in run mode, I want to get as far away as possible. And I was broken up with the first relationship. And maybe I've talked about this. Uh, maybe you've heard this story, but my first relationship um, after my divorce, he broke up with me on a pier while we were looking at Christmas lights, and I wanted to literally jump off the pier. Now, thank goodness my rational part of my mind <laughs> um, kicked in over my ego, and obviously I didn't jump off the pier, but that's my body. Like I wanted to jump off the pier and swim away as fast and as much as possible. So do you see, these are very dramatic thoughts and experiences, but that is one of my protection mechanisms. And if you listen to the fear episode last week, um, you will remember I talked about a certain gentleman in my life and how I had gone into fear mode after um, we had spent the weekend together. He lives far away after he left. And I, I 
I shared with you you all about the fear that I was feeling and and how I worked through that fear. Now that I'm through that situation, I'm going to catch you up a little bit and how it pertains to this protection and survival mechanism. So there was about a week that I was in anxious mode. I was in fear and anxious mode. And one of my protection mechanisms is my attachment style. And I've mentioned attachment theory in several, several episodes. I think the dating episode, probably the breakup episode, um, romantic relationship episode, all of that. Um, And my anxious attachment is definitely one of my protection and survival mechanisms. And when it is activated, and it did get activated after um, he left, and I was really, when whenever my attachment, um, my anxious attachment gets triggered, I go into self-shame mode. Um, I'm just being honest. As a self-love coach, I, of course, have to practice self-compassion so, so much because I'm human. My anxious attachment when certain behaviors manifest themselves within me, um, that is the place that I shame myself or criticize myself or judge myself the most. And the interesting thing about this is, um, is my anxious attachment does not get triggered very often. If you have no idea right now what I am talking about, I thoroughly recommend that you check out the book, Attached. Um, Even if you are not single, if you are in a loving relationship, it doesn't, it's regardless. The, The book is actually called Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. So really, it sounds like it's a book for single people because of the finding love, but really it's a book for everyone. I am so learning my attachment style and accepting my attachment style and moving to a more secure attachment has been the greatest source of my recovery, the greatest source of my growth, the greatest source of my healing and a huge part of my self-love journey. So the book is by um, Dr. Amir Levine and Dr. Rachel Heller, and I will definitely put a link to it in the show notes. But basically, there there are three main attachment styles. We learned them even before we could walk, speak, or, you know, chew our own food. So I am an anxious attachment and I, the thing about, and I also have a podcast episode about labels. Um, I do not stick, you know, my labels are, are on a spectrum. So I can move anywhere in that spectrum. And I have taught myself and learned how to become more secure in my attachment style. Now, sometimes it does get triggered. That is not my fault. Like there is no blame. It just happens. Um, and But when it's happening, I am all full of blame. And that's what happened the week after this person left. Um, and my part in it was my attachment style of anxiousness was triggered. But what I realize is his attachment style of avoidant was triggered and that triggered me. So an anxious and avoidant really struggle in relationship together. Um, He was scared after he left. Come to find out he was scared and processing that fear just like I was because we had these amazing feelings for each other. However, during his fear and processing, he turned away. 
which triggered my anxious attachment. And I'm just, you know, it, we had this conversation. We um, decided it was not going to work out. And there you go. However, it was almost like, you know, I'm I'm in the recovery world. I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't have the addiction gene. I, I, if you want to know more about that, I definitely have a podcast episode about addiction, um, episode number 32, and how addiction has played a role in my life, even though I'm not the one that has substance addiction. But I'm active in the recovery world. I work my own recovery program um, in a 12-step program, and a lot of my recovery stems around um, becoming more secure with my anxious attachment. And so coming off of this situation last week, I literally felt like I had, quote unquote, relapsed. Just like if I did have an addiction to substance and had relapsed, I probably would have been beating myself up with a bunch of shame, which is exactly what I was doing or wanted to do for a time after my anxious attachment got triggered. Um, But I've done enough work. I know that shame, I know how to recognize shame. I know how to release shame. And I really know how to turn more to self-compassion and self-soothing when I'm in that space. And so I'm just sharing this with you because there is purpose. Even though I struggle so much with my attachment style when it gets triggered, it really is a blessing. And here is why. And this is why our protection and our survival mechanisms serve us sometimes. Um, I realized after I started having feelings for this person that he is, in fact, an avoidant attachment. And again, just like anxious attachment, there is no good or bad. It's, It's neutral, right? Um, And same with avoidant, like there's nothing wrong with him. He's not bad. He just doesn't work for me. And unless my protection mechanism of my attachment style didn't kick in, I would not have known that. So what I'm saying is, is sometimes our protection and our survival mechanisms can serve us. It's difficult. Um, but in the long run, it gave me awareness and taught me that that relationship, though my heart started to open up to the possibilities of attachment, um, wasn't going to serve me in the long run. So really I look at it as gratitude and being thankful to the universe for and my attachment um, to really get over, get through this more quickly than if it would have been three months, six months, nine months. And that, I mean, kind of taking a little step into my love life, um, I'm not on any dating apps. I have zero residual conversations happening right now, and this is the first time in a really, really, really long time that I've been in this situation, Um, and I am choosing to surrender. Um, if If you've heard anything, if you follow me, my word for 2022 is receive, but For the last two years, I've really been practicing surrendering, but not so much in my love life, like (laughs) in my career, in other relationships, in how I show up in the world. I have been practicing surrender, but I still had my fingers really attached to controlling, finding my, my person. 
And so for the first time in a really, 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 probably ever, I'm going to say, I am taking myself out of the scenario and allowing to receive. I'm completely surrendering romantic romantic partnership, love life, all of that to my higher power and just seeing how it goes. And the reason I am sharing this with you is because when we surrender and when we look through the lens of how our protection and our survival mechanisms as a, as a lesson, then we can really like let go of it and move forward. So um, some of the things that I, um, I want to say about our protection and our survival mechanisms is they are 100% linked to our inner child. And I will probably talk about inner child in almost every episode that we share together. But um, I have a self-love quickie, episode number 14, about the inner child. But we we learned our survival and protection mechanisms in our childhood. So as you are thinking and becoming aware and accepting what your survival and protection behaviors are, go back to your childhood and think about what was happening around you and how you learned to survive and protect yourself. Um, you've heard me talk many times that I did not grow up in a traumatic childhood scenario. Um, I am the youngest of five and all of my siblings are a lot older. So while there wasn't, you know, overt traumatic situations happening, I felt alone and unheard and unseen for a lot of my childhood. And I, this is not saying anything against my parents or my siblings at all. Um, that just was a result of the family dynamic. And so when I am around my siblings, I definitely can revert back to um, some behaviors that I had as a child of wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, um, getting defensive, um, speaking loudly, speaking, you know, almost like waving my arms saying, listen to me, listen to me. Um, and I accept that about myself. And I have worked really closely with my own inner child um, of how to connect to my inner child to start the to to start to heal wounds that occurred in my childhood. So as you're thinking of your own protection and survival mechanisms, it's really valuable to go back to your childhood and to reconnect to your inner child and we can reparent our inner child and that's how um, we can heal and grow from things that happened in our childhood. And if you have if you have more questions about any of this, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me um, on my website, which is jenny-drake.com or on Instagram, jenny underscore drake underscore. Um, also, if you really want to dive into it, I totally recommend working with a therapist. And it's pretty common now to be able to find therapists that specialize in inner child healing and inner child reparenting. So I am a big proponent for therapy and coaching, and that is a huge self-love win when we do that for ourselves. Um, I mentioned a little bit about family, and I want to talk a little bit about our family of origin, um, you know, our siblings, our parents, even our cousins. Um, and what 
how we hold that family in our mind as as our protection or our safety, our support, because as we grow older, we sometimes realize or often realize that our family is not ideal, our family of origin. Um, Many, many, many times they're the ones that trigger us or teach us the most about ourselves. And it's not always comfortable teaching, right? Um, I just had this conversation with a family member where we hold on to this idea that our family, our siblings, our cousins, our parents, our grandparents, um, they are our safety and our support. And that's where the unconditional love is, right? Raise your hand if you have had that ideal image or belief system instilled within you. And that's normal. Like, again, going back to our childhood, that's how we saw our family when we we were a child, right? Like, even if there was toxicity or abuse that was happening, as a child, that's our normal. We don't have the cognitive development yet to understand that it is not healthy, that it is not okay. So as a child, no matter what situation we grew up in, we idealize it. It is our, it is our normal. And we continue through life having these expectations on our family unit still. And then we don't understand why when we're being triggered or why when, I mean, I can tell you some of my most protective survival moments of defensiveness or fighting have been as adults with my siblings. And when that happens, again, there's like so much shame because it's like, why am I acting this way? I am an adult. Why are we having this contention or this conflict when we are adults? Because we're still showing up as that family unit. Um, so So where am I going with this? What if we change the perspective of our family, of what our family serves, and we start to look at it? Now, I do want to say, I want to pause and say, some families are ideal. Some families do have that unconditional love and support. Okay, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. What I am saying is the majority of the time, it doesn't. And that's okay. And it's okay because I believe that our families of origin is our most valuable teaching and lessons about ourselves. I'm not going to say most valuable. I retract that. It's a very it's a very valuable tool classroom lesson about learning about ourselves. I I retract that because I think our romantic partnerships are also that as well. And that's why we get triggered so much. And instead of looking at the triggers as bad, what if we looked at it as all of the stuff that we go through with our families of origin, our siblings, our parents, our grandparents, our cousins, the bumps and the bruises, the pain, the suffering as a classroom to learn about ourselves over and over and over again. And as we look at what our part is, and as we look at what protection mechanisms and survival mechanisms come up in those dynamics, what an amazing tool 
to teach us about ourselves, to make us aware to so that we can accept it and have compassion for our part in it and grow through it. And so instead of trying to idealize our family unit, really looking at it as our biggest classroom or not our biggest, our most consistent because our family is our family, our entire life. And sometimes we're estranged from our family. Sometimes we have to have strong, strong boundaries. I I totally recommend listening to the podcast episode on boundaries because it's episode number 23. It talks about one of my favorite books, um, Create Boundaries, Find Peace by uh, Nedra Tawab. And that's how we grow and heal and love ourselves in our family dynamics is with boundaries. And um, that's how we turn protection and survival mechanisms into healthy ways to protect and survive. So let's talk through um, a trigger or feeling threatened or feeling fear. Um, I took you through a process in the fear episode about naming the fear, releasing the fear. But what if we're we're past that point and we're we're already feeling triggered? Um, this happened to me a lot. I was able to practice this a lot when I was in a relationship with um, someone who was active in their substance addiction. And um, so triggers would happen often. And this is the process that really helped me to move through that protection survival mechanism. Because what happens is when we lean into that fight, flight, fawn mode, or defensiveness and attack mode that are common with our protection mechanisms, um, then it ends up distracting us or creating more of a mess that we have to clean up later. And that's where the self-love comes in. And this is where the practice and really being connected with ourself, we teach, we, we end up learning and being in the space of some of my actions that I'm acting upon are not leading me to inner peace. They are actually making it harder for me to return to inner peace. So that's where it gets really deep to where what am I doing in those moments that is actually going to make it more difficult to for me in the long run. So let me go back to that example of when my ex-husband and I, while we were married, was we were, when we were having a fight and I would grab the keys and I would bail um, and I would just drive and I would go sit at the beach and really like that was taking care of myself, but I felt good in the moment. However, when I went back, I had two scared children that were feeling abandoned by their mom. You know, oftentimes I had left without my purse. So then I would be thirsty or hungry and I wouldn't have my, my wallet, you know, all this sorts of stuff. And so it is actually in these moments, like right now, when we're not triggered, to be thinking about how we respond when we are triggered or vulnerable or fearful or threatened to kind of go through it in a non-judgmental way of what do I do to cause more mess for me in the future and for, and for the other people involved, right? So that's where really this awareness and acceptance of compassion will lead to us practicing, <laughs> practicing. It's a practice. We're not going to figure this out or be better at it overnight. 
Um, and that's why I said like my anxious attachment doesn't get triggered very often. And that was part of my whole coming out of it is how can I practice, you know, improving upon it if it doesn't happen all that often? Um, and just tons of grace with ourselves and compassion that it takes practice. And if we do it a little bit more loving for ourselves and the others, then we are making progress. Um, so while we're not triggered right now, let's talk about the process of being triggered, of when our protection and our survival mechanisms get kicked in. So something has happened. And before we even cognitively understand, our body is telling us before our brain can wrap itself around that we are in danger. I'm just going to call it in danger because that's what kind of triggers our protection and survival mechanism. Our body will tell us. And everybody's body is different. So Uh, Learning to understand your body while being triggered is so crucial. So write that down. Next time I'm triggered, I'm going to take myself out and observe what my body is feeling. And you might be able to recollect right now. I know that for me, the very first thing that happens is I get dry mouth. Like in every situation that has been extremely uncomfortable, I have had a hard time producing saliva. So there you go. There's some awareness there. Um, We feel it in different places in our bodies. So I get really um, fast. I'm moving fast. My hands are moving fast. Like that's the runner in me. Like I want to move my body fast. Um, And Also, I hear like white noise in my ears. So it's hard for me to focus on what is happening because I I tend to focus on that white noise. Um, So those are just a couple of things. Yours might be butterflies in your stomach. Yours might be a a common one is like starting to sweat. most of us like will have like armpit stains when we've been triggered. Um, That's very, very common. So start thinking about how your body starts to tell you that you're unsafe, feeling vulnerable, feeling fear um, before you actually cognitively catch up to it. And then the The greatest tool is recognizing that your body is doing it and calming your body. So again, when I want to move fast, run, bail, I can practice breathing. I can stay present. I can calm myself down because when we calm down our body, we can calm down our mind. If we allow our body to do whatever it wants to do in that trigger, our mind follows suit. So that's when we start saying things that we don't really, that we haven't really thought about, or we um, go down the rabbit hole of going to the worst case scenario. That's another big protection mechanism. What if, what does this mean? All of those things. What if this were to happen? All of that is our ego protection mechanisms. So once we slow our body, we can slow our mind. And really taking ourselves out of, it it almost becomes we've got our ego talking to protect us. And then our rational side can say, what are the stories I'm telling myself right now? So going back to this gentleman who started turning away from this situation Um, in an avoidant behavior, my stories in my head was that, oh, he doesn't like me as much anymore. He is going to ghost me. Worst case scenario. Um, He is, um, you know, all those limiting beliefs of I'm not enough. Um, 
it's only a matter of time before men do this, um, all of those stories. So after you've identified your body, step number one, identify your body, slow down your body. Number two is what are the stories I'm telling myself? And when I say stories, I mean stories. These are not factual. These are not validated. There is no evidence to prove these stories that we're telling ourselves in our head at the moment. However, the other part of our ego will try to seek evidence to support those stories. So it's really important to identify what stories we are telling ourselves in our head. Because if we don't, if we keep telling ourselves those stories, we will naturally try to find evidence to support those stories. And then the last is after you've calmed, after you've identified the stories, after you're more at peace, you can say, what is this teaching me? And literally, it took me about three days to get to that final step of what is this teaching me? And it is teaching me in that scenario that this relationship was not going to be the relationship that I desired, that the communication, though it, I thought it was going to work, this has, more has been revealed. One of my biggest tools is more will be revealed. More has been revealed that the communication um, was broken down. And mind you, I was trying to open up the door of communication to try to bring him back, but it was already, it was already gone. And when we had our closeout kind of conversation, you know, that's what I said. I said, you know, I, I was reaching out to you, trying to give you space, but reaching out to you to try to bring the communication back. Um, that's my control and force and all of that. That's another protection mechanism that I have is the, trying to control, crying, trying to force, trying to manipulate so that I can gain security. So you might add that. How do you try to force control and manipulate, very subconsciously manipulate. Um, we all manipulate because we are human. I'm not saying that I was consciously manipulating, but saying things to, saying and doing things to evoke a response is a form of manipulation. So um, that is one of my protection mechanisms. And so really being aware of, all of this gets us to the place of what is this teaching me? What did I learn from this situation? How can I apply it next time? And a, a big lesson for me was my anxious attachment kicks in when things aren't right. And instead of shaming it and being mad at it, I can thank it for alerting me. If I get anxious, there's a reason for it. And I am grateful for that. So it's about being healthy in our protection and survival mechanisms and using them to love ourselves more to where there is more inner peace. So as we begin to wrap up, I want to go back to the question, what are the stories that we're telling ourselves in our head? Because we have stories, we have protection and survival mechanism stories that we are telling ourselves in our head all the time that have nothing to do when we are triggered. And these are the stories that limit us and block us from our higher purpose and our higher power. And aligning ourselves with receiving what the universe has in store for us. So what are the stories that you're telling yourself in your head right now that is blocking and limiting you? And these are ongoing beliefs and stories that there is no evidence for. They are not factual and they're really blocking us from what is to be. And 
I'm going to go back to my love life because it's just my biggest tool for my growth right now. And so I had mentioned that this is the first time that I am completely surrendering love life, romantic partner to the universe. I've always been asking the universe for it, but really taking myself out of the way and of course taking guided action um knowing when i'm being inspired to do something is really important but there are times when i've taken action that weren't inspired when it comes to my love life so i'm actually in a space of surrendering to where i'm only taking any action that is guided and inspired um but in order to do that I have to be conscious about the stories that I am telling myself in my head, which are things like, it may never happen for me, or they're finding a healthy man that has the qualities that I'm looking for will be difficult. Those are stories or, or here's another one. Um, I had alluded to it before, but it starts out good, but they always, always is a key word to be aware of. When we're using always and never in our stories, mm, that's a big signal that that is a false story that is limiting us. So one of the stories is things start well and it always falls apart. Can you see how these stories are preventing me from exactly what I want? So what are the stories when not triggered you are telling yourself to protect yourself from growth and abundance? It might have to do with money. I never have enough money. I'm always broke. Those are negative, false stories that are keeping you from progressing with abundance. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. These are the protection mechanisms that your ego is telling yourself to keep you comfortable and safe. So what are the stories that you're telling yourself? that are false, that are protecting you and keeping you safe. I didn't say that they were comfortable and happy. And how can you release those stories? Because releasing those stories and welcoming in whatever is to be, really releasing those stories and turning to faith, in your higher power, in God, in the universe, in whatever you believe in that's greater than yourself, turning to that faith is where you will be able to grow and receive and really take yourself out of protection. I'm doing that right now. Thank you for holding the space and allowing me to be vulnerable with you. It is not easy, but I feel truly called to teach through my own life. And I feel grateful that I am given the courage and given the safety in order to be able to do that. Um, and that has to do with you. You make it safe for me to do this. And so thank you so much for allowing me to teach these principles of self-love through a very vulnerable lens. I appreciate you more than you will know. Yes, you. You might be thinking, she doesn't even know me. She doesn't even know that I'm listening. It doesn't matter. I know you're out there and I feel connected to you. I feel connected to you because I've opened up to you. And if you feel so called to reaching back out to me, either on Instagram or my website or even leaving the you know, the review or the rating on Apple really helps me feel connected to you and helps me to feel safe to continue to be able to be vulnerable like this. Um, 
but that's enough about me. You have done this for you. If you've been able to listen through this whole time, I want to acknowledge you so, so much. Looking at ourselves, looking at our protection mechanisms, looking at the stories that we are telling ourselves is not easy. So please have so much acceptance and compassion and grace for yourself. Have so much compassion for that inner child that learned all of these protection mechanisms growing up. Accept it. Be neutral about it. Be loving about it. And that is a huge self-love win. Thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you now with so, so, so much love. And I'll chat with you next week. Thank you.